everybody good? Where have I te seen those two before? Let's see. What'd you do with the children? Institutions mm -hmm. oh. fail. <laughs> see you after class. Let's make a great aspiration. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, instruct those who harm me and those who create obstacles like that, liberation and innocence. May the experience of happiness be separate from suffering, quickly established in the state of the most perfect and precious Buddha. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, instruct those who harm me, and those who create obstacles like that, liberation and innocence. May the experience of happiness be separate from suffering. Quickly established in the state of the most perfect and precious Buddha. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, instructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles path of liberation and innocence, may they experience happiness and be separate from suffering. Quickly established in the state of the most perfect and precious Buddha. Thus, until I achieve enlightenment, I perform virtuous deeds of body, speech, and mind. Until death, I perform virtuous deeds of body, speech, and mind. From now until this time, tomorrow, I perform virtuous deeds of body, speech, and mind. I think this is. Uh, for, for those that have been attending the, these um, classes on the Paramita, uh, now when you see the word virtuous, body, speech, and mind, I'm, I'm hoping that the full scope of what that word virtuous means is beginning to land. It's, it's not, I, I do good, but it's, it's so rich and full, the word I do. All kinds of um, wondrous, wondrous, a good, wholesome, Activity. So this is this is this one word is is a is a giant giant uh, word of meaning. Sangi chota sangi chamam la chintu bandu daki kapsu chi daki jinsa kipa sonam ki druva penju sangi druva shu. Can the Buddha of the Dharma sung the most excellent? Take refuge in enlightenment reached by the merit of generosity and the good deeds. May attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. Buddha the Dharma, the song the most excellent. To take refuge in enlightenment reached by the marriage, generosity, and the good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. May all mother sentient beings balance the sky of happiness, the cause of happiness. May they liberate from suffering, the cause of suffering. May they never be separated from happiness, which is free from sorrow. May they rest in equity, free from attachment. May as well read 10 things from Gampopa's instructions. They're marvelous. You can put almost anywhere you can turn. You just, just go, okay. Fantastic. Ah, here's marvelous. I just, it's beautiful. 10 things which are easily mistaken. It is possible to mistake desire for devotion. It is possible to mistake passion for loving-kindness and compassion. It is possible to mistake mind-made emptiness for the intrinsic emptiness of all things. It is possible to mistake the nihilistic view for the dharma-dhatu, that is the, uh, the ultimate sphere of the nature of emptiness. 
It is possible to mistake the experience to it is possible to mis mistake an experience for realization. It is possible to mistake a hypocrite for an honest person. It is possible to mistake a maniac for someone whose delusion has collapsed. That is someone who's it is possible to mistake a maniac uh, for someone who actually has realization. Very common. It's possible to mistake a charlatan for a siddha, that is an accomplished being. It is possible to mistake a self-serving activity for altruism. It is possible to mistake deceit for skillful means. These were the ten things which are easily mistaken could easily be studied for fantastic, fantastic book, this precious garland of instructions by Gampopa. And as we say this, uh, invoking spontaneously the union of appearance emptiness. Awareness, emptiness. So, uh, uh, did you get a handout this morning? Yeah, very good. If I could have a, a, a copy. Okay, so this is a summary of, uh, from page one and page two. This is a summary I've put together uh, this morning of what I covered last night. So you now have it in order. You have the uh, proper uh, Pali and Sanskrit words. And this is a uh, not just a study, but this is practice. So, so uh, as I said yesterday, unless you have the time, the space to go into retreat, uh, the um, the five jhanas, the five absorptions or dhyanas, uh, will maybe elude you. You may have them occasionally, but to actually train in them to be able to go in and out uh, and, and bring them about. Um, is not that common today unless you unless you train. Some people are very natural, by the way, from previous lifetimes things. 
it's, it's, it's really fast. But the first one, the Upachara Samadhi, which is the first paragraph there, uh, this is what all of us, all of, all of you, all of us, need um, uh, training and development in for the minimum for insight knowledge and for good steady meditation. Um, the others will, the other five will come every once in a while. Uh, if it's full on, it's full on, it's it, the first time ever, it's extraordinary. It's called Apana Samadhi. Um, and then I, I have to, somebody has to help you come out of the addiction of that. And then uh, on the, uh, the uh, second page are the formless absorptions, the Arupa Jhanas. Uh, not really going to go, uh, as I said last night, not, this is not the kind of um, class to go into that in very much detail. Those are rarely encountered, especially um, uh, three and four. There's no numbers there. It was quite quick this morning. Um, they are not usually encountered by most meditators. The first two, uh, every once in a while, perhaps, uh, the complete dropping of all boundaries to uh, uh, space and consciousness. And of course, in the Tantra tradition, we actually do train in that as well, um, for later. And then um, also, mostly in the Mahayana tradition, there is a tradition of what's called the Nine Ways of Resting the Mind, or I took this off a wonderful site called uh, Rigpa Wiki. It's an excellent, excellent authoritative site. Um, these are there's many different sites for this, but this is this is this is very clear, very good. Uh, um, the nine way, the nine order, the nine stages by which you come to an excellent, complete uh, upachara samadhi. The, the first paragraph. So if you follow this, and you actually use an object. We usually use an object of some type. It can be almost any object. It could be a stick, but you have to actually be a very good meditator to enjoy meditating on a stick. Not really, uh, a stick, it doesn't matter. Uh, but usually pick a Buddha, a Buddha figure or um, a seed syllable or a, a dot of light, something like that. When I practiced, I used a crystal ball, beautiful natural crystal ball from, from Japan. Did these these practices for a while, um, and then other things. Breath meditation, very easy through breath meditation. Uh, it goes very smooth and, and direct. Um, from resting the mind, uh, it doesn't really give specifics in here. I gave them last night. The first one, number one, is twenty-one breaths with no distraction and every sensation clear, perfect. That's number one. The last one, number nine. All the rest are modifications. Of that the last one, number nine absolutely no effort made to have perfect no thought resting right effortlessly in the mind there's not even any kind of effort made to settle the mind in number nine okay all of you can train some of you will not have the time i hope you all do to train that way so it becomes very easy very natural and so on in the Mahamudra Zogchen traditions, which is coming up, and I'm going to be teaching more and more of this uh, as the years go on. I've actually taught many courses here here and in New Zealand over the years, over 15 years, on Mahamudra and, and the Trechode of, uh, of, of Zogchen. Uh, we learn how to actually come to number nine directly by recognizing the mind as number nine. Okay. Both thought-free and thought, doesn't matter. So, so for now... Um, 
realize that most meditations of tranquility are to go through these nine stages. Uh, somewhere in those nine stages, uh, one has enough stability to do most meditative work. And, the, and of course, as I said last night, the purpose in all of this is to gain insight knowledge, which leads to freedom. These do not lead to freedom unless one receives liberating instructions. If you don't receive liberating instructions, they become a means to defilement, which is far out experiences and what we call a rebirth in this lifetime and other lifetimes uh, in a godlike state, which is just fixated on, on bliss and um, uh, enjoyment. Okay? But they're fantastic means to uh, the training for liberative, liberative, liberation. Okay, so it's a handout for you. Memorize it helps again. Uh, and and when, when you take uh, with me or other teachers, perhaps, uh, much more detailed courses in, in Abhidhamma, in uh, meditative training, uh, if I give a meditation retreat, uh, some, some meditation retreats appropriate that I go through this in detail and then give instructions on, on how this is done. But, but this, uh, uh, these classes are the six paramita, and uh, we're spending quite a bit of time on meditation to show you really what Buddhist meditation really is. Okay? So this evening is the insight, uh, the wisdom uh, part uh, of this, this tonight. And we'll finish off the section now uh, from Gampopa's text on uh, meditative concentration. Okay? As that is a brief synopsis. Okay. So when you, if someone asks me, or someone says to somebody in this room, uh, you know, which meditation do we do to do this, you've already had uh, perhaps 7, 8, 10, 25 different meditations already since I've come here, uh, and other teachers. So people are so deeply now convinced by marketing, <laughs> Buddhist, non-Buddhist marketing of things, that the only meditation that you're going to receive is this kind of meditation. This is, this is such a shame. So there's probably, is this correct? Probably on a given class, I've given three, four, five, six different kinds of meditations that you can do, both sitting, standing, walking, lying down, I don't care what posture, that will actually fulfill both the jhanas, the uh, meditative absorption. Some will go to one. Some will go to upachara samadhi, uh, free jhana. Some will go all the way through, like loving-kindness, like compassion. Meditating on generosity, you take it all the way, goes right to um, liberation, non-clinging awareness. You see? So don't mistake meditation for this. This is used to settle all the energies and is a very direct way to experience the thought-free mind. So, so important to, to know that this is a training, 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 training. So now we can take this thought-free, wakeful, bright, flame-like, D, the origin of the word dhyana, absorption, D, which is like a bright flame in a windless room, or behind the palace, as they say. You know, a candle behind the palace, away from all the wind, all disturbances, this we want to develop so that we can actually take it 
into our speech, into our walking, into our eating, into everything. So it is a continuum of beautiful states, what's called in Pali, uh, sobanachitas, a beautiful quality of wholesome states brought into every aspect of life. Why? For the benefit of other beings. That's compassion. We're not training people here to become <clears throat> necessarily super meditators. We're uh, training and, and teaching how to become very deeply compassionate, aware uh, beings that actually realize the nature of emptiness, whether there's thoughts or no thoughts. Usually the order of training in most traditions, almost every single tradition, is find out what it's like to have no thought free of all thoughts, effortlessly free of all thoughts. Then, bring the thoughts back and the emotions back and see that they too have the same nature. That is the normal uh, order. That's the normal order. Not to be no thought for the rest of your life. It's very difficult to communicate. But you can actually have thought which is identical with no thought. Open, spacious, clear, meditatively, without effort. Okay, so we have to go through, usually most students, 99%, have to go through an orderly progression by which they discover this bright samadhi, this bright... Um, clarity of settled mind before they can unify it with thought and emotion and feeling as having the identical nature okay so this is this is how we uh, we train uh, traditionally okay any questions on that any, any questions okay. uh, you'll notice that on number um, uh, to give you, if you turn on, to, if you turn to, over to page number one, because some of you may have experienced at some point, it's good to do, have these uh, hallmarks, these signs. Uh, number five of the jhanas, uh, you will know number five because uh, there will be the um, uh, the most subtle kind of joy, most subtle joy, but no pain or pleasure. Uh, pain and pleasure are gone. But subtle, an incredibly subtle joy, like, like the most fine balance in the mind, and the breath will have ceased. The breath stops. So you, this, this is the hallmark. No more breath. As a matter of fact, if someone measured it, they, they would not be able to find a detectable, uh, even, even a heartbeat would be so slow. It would be maybe one every, oh, 15 seconds every, uh, sorry, uh, 15 seconds per minute. 10 seconds per minute, very, very slow, and respiration just stops, natural. So this, this, is a, this is a hallmark of it, it just stops like that. There are people who train this way, so it can be sustained for a long time. This takes a lot of training, okay, just long training like this. And then that's where that's where the psychic powers really emerge. They, they come naturally. They just start coming. So so it's not so common. But, but, but olden days... Uh, it was expected that people train this way, but you you do not have to. 
if you, if you are natural that way, okay. Not so many today. It's a very busy, busy, complex life today. Okay, starting on page uh, 213 from Gampopa's uh, Glorious Lamrim, a path text of the Mahayana. Uh, he says, one's mind will shake free from samsara, from wandering. That's very important when we hear that. Shaking free from wandering. Mind wandering from birth to birth, even this lifetime. Just wandering, wandering around, looking for some happy object. And the eight worldly concerns, and of course that is... The worry, the worry of gain. Will I gain? Will I lose? How about these are worries that people have anxieties all day long. Actually, even even sometimes as short as a second. Will I lose? Will I gain? What do I get out of it? What do I lose out of it? How, how fast do you think that decision can be made? Fraction of a second. You won't even know it. I'm out of here. There's nothing for me, just like that. Uh, or, yeah, I can get a lot of this. That, that takes anxiety. Uh, fame or infamy. I'll be respected, they'll hate me. Just, just like that. Or it can be long time, you know, long time. It can be any situation. They'll love me. No, they're going to actually really hate me. They're going to reject me, this sort of thing. And next one is praise and blame. If I stay here, I'll get praise. If I stay here, I'll get blame. Yeah. My my teacher, uh, one of my teachers, Namjoon Rinpoche, my root, root teacher, he used to, um, we used to have a game. He used to call it uh, uh, blame for the day. So no matter what happened, just to get used to this, no matter what happened anywhere, one person took all the blame for the day. And you played this game. Start in the morning, and whatever happened, even if it was this person over here, you know they they ruined the omelet or something like that. You got all the blame. You're you're for blame. Why did you ruin the eggs? And it's a wonderful thing to do. And this person's going <laughs> all day long. You know why or praise? Oh, you're so good. You're just so good. But I didn't do anything. That's right. You're so good. You're really good. But actually, you're good because you get all the praise today. So. It's a marvelous way of, because uh, it can happen in an instant. It's actually less than a second by, by which we feel this uh, social um, stigma or social pain and uh, pleasure by acknowledgement, by, uh, you know, if I say in class. Hello, Holly. Holly. You see? Less than a second. It's actually far, maybe a quarter of a second, and it's already there. The, the emotions have spread, the chemicals, the everything's happened, and you're there. So that also means that we're seeking that out, and we're also pushing it away. We avoid situations of hurt. We avoid situations where it could be that we'll be pray, we'll be um, um, subject to loss or subject to shame. See. <laughs> you're engaged with that in your children. <laughs> yeah. And because you have to socialize, you have to socialize. That's correct. You have to socialize them. So that's fine. You raise them, you raise your children the best you can with love and kindness and intelligence. 
and it's their responsibility as adults to sort this out. Not, not, not you having to worry about how to have perfect children. You cannot do that because they also bring a lot into the world. And a lot is passed on from your grandparents and your culture and everything else. And most of the training actually today is the peer group and outside of the family. That will be the monstrous, massive amount of conditioning will be outside of the family, outside of whatever you can do. So you really just have to pray hard and help the child be loved and cared and intelligent so that when they, um, they get interest in liberation, some, some method of liberation, they will go to it and they can actually sort this out uh, and do the, the practices and meditations and understand for themselves. You can't, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it right. Guaranteed. You're going to get it right and you get it wrong and won't even really right wrong. It's a blend. But you have to socialize a child to be able to function in society. And that means certain ways of behavior. And understandings. Don't do this, do this. You'll you'll get hurt if you do this. And oh, you're really sad? Well, you don't have to be so sad. So all these all these kinds of things. And by the way, there's also also biologically wired responses. Yes. So then wait till teenagehood. <laughs> okay. Any other questions? <laughs> That's the just love 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 love. Love them, be intelligent, uh, grow them, help them grow as intelligent, uh, amazing VA. Just really great. And uh, just let them, they're going to have to sort this out. Sort this. And they're going to get hurt. All, all, all beings, remembering, all living beings on this planet, not just human beings, are subject to dukkha. They're subject to hurt, pain, loss. It's, it's, it's very difficult to have a human body, to have any kind of body, giraffe, mouse, amoeba, bacteria. It's really tough to have a body, maintain a form, and maintain a, a, a consciousness that is pure and clear. It's very, very difficult. So therefore, uh, stop uh, worrying it so, so much. Get on about liberation. So it says, one's mind will shake free from samsara, wandering, and uh, rounds of rebirth, and the eight worldly concerns. Oh, I haven't even finished. And then the last one is happiness, unhappiness. If I do this, I'll be happy. If I do this, I'll be unhappy. All day long. If I do this, oh, that will bring me happiness. If I do that, oh, I'll be unhappy. We have to cut through all these eight different wanderings. As Antoine Pichet said, in the beginning of Mahamudra teachings, remember, folks, he was just so direct, it was wonderful. Buddhism, Dharma, is not about being happy. It's not a happiness path, and it's not a sadness path. It's liberation. And this means, this means a cutting through all these eight stages that we have been conditioned uh, and we are expected in our society yeah, to function in society. And then another um, um, brief statement here. That which is needed more than anything else is profound absorption. It, and it will swiftly develop if we do, if we isolate. So people are expecting to have these uh, beautiful, clear, radiant, thought-free states with no isolation. 
I can do it at home. I can do it. I can do it anywhere. But actually, you first of all, the even a thousand years ago, t small towns, three hundred people, two hundred people, village, sixty people, yak herders, they're given the same instructions: get into a cabin, get into a cave, get away from the monastery, get away from the town, and isolate, relax, let your your body, your mind unravel, take a meditative concentration object and work through the absorption so you have a very lucid mind to gain insight. Make sense? Very straightforward. But if you're socially uh, well-adjusted, socially well-trained, the last thing you want to do is go to something that you think will be boring. Right? Remember this one, one, year, this, uh, one time in the Singapore airport, the six-year-old or eight-year-old is wandering around from his parents all, all over the place going, I never forget this, it's great, I think it was with Jamie or Ben or something. Just wandering around everybody. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. He was testing out the word boring, you know. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm looking around all these people and going, yeah, you're all bored too. <laughs> Just looking for entertainment iPads, computers, screens. Uh, I'm bored. I'm bored. So, so, boredom is actually a lot, a big fear for a lot of people. So when I say let's go on retreat, people, oh yeah. But underneath, it's like, I'm gonna be really bored, right? I'm absolutely terrified. Here's terror. Sometimes my dear partner Laurel says, you know, you, you, some people, you know, the the way you teach sometimes, they're not gonna want to go into retreat. But actually, for mature people, it's good to understand. The fear of retreat is loneliness. The fear of retreat is utter boredom. The fear of retreat is not being distracted. You see? The fear of retreat is freedom. The fear of retreat is I can't do habitually what I normally do every day to take me out of the terror of being alone being bored. That's exactly what we have to do because you will not be free. You will not actually be confident, free, independent, strong without moving through those very, very strong emotions. Utter, utter loneliness. It's a physiological thing. It's just physiological. People think, oh, it's mental. No, no, it's actually physiological. Find it. You'll see it's absolutely physiological. Drives you nuts like, like a cocaine addict. It's like a heroin addict having to come off. I gotta talk to someone, anybody. And then what do you do? You talk to yourself. I am so utterly bored. I'm so alone for even five minutes. Fantasy. Yeah, that's what it is. Are you gonna take my fantasies away? Yeah. <laughs> because there's a direct equation between fantasy and liberation. If if there's more and more liberation, true liberation. There will just be no fantasy. There's no need. The enjoyment is this. The enjoyment is actually this, what this is. There's no need. There simply isn't any need. The mind just rests, just rests clearly, waiting for the next opportunity to be compassionate. So you do want to go into retreat. You do want to have profound absorptions. 
But part of you, because of cultural conditioning, is absolutely terrified. And it's actually good to know that. It's good to know that. Someone should tell you, yes, let's stop pretending. Our retreats are not spas. There's no pedicure, there's no manicure. There's sometimes a hot tub, but usually not. There's sometimes a massage table, but usually not. And we don't really, we frown upon a lot of socialization or any socialization whatsoever because every time that happens, it disturbs the pranas, the chit, the chi, and therefore you have to start over again. <laughs> it's a waste of time. So the best thing you can do is just uh, experience the bliss of, um, of absorption. Why? You have to unwind. The bo whole body, physiology, just has to unwind. Hmm? This is what it is. This has to do it enough to unwind. And people that do this just literally, after time, they go, this is standard, standard retreat. Week, 10 days, one month, three months, I don't know, you know it could be three days. Usually, not usually. I want to stay in here for the next 10 years. Oh, that's standard. Just keep me in here. How can I stay in here? You see? And then a couple days later, when the hindrances really start again, can I leave now? <laughs> but the experience of unwinding 20, 30, 40, 50 years of distracted conditioning to be uh, unlonely, to not be bored, to be distracted, is such a such a rigid, such a deep conditioning hmm? that the nervous system literally has to let go. So we have yoga, we have qigong, we have tai chi, we have Feldenkrais, all these different things, right, to unwind the physiology and wind the energy in 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 accordance and in help in uh, in union with, if you wish, with meditative learning, meditative concentration, hmm? because you have to be loose. You have to be loose. You should ask, why couldn't I do, uh, why couldn't I have three massages a day? Because <laughs> the logical answer is, why can't I have three massages a day plus sauna uh, and um, um, skiing? Yes, I haven't talked about that. I, don't, I really, you know, I don't want to scare everybody. <laughs> please, please, please. But, but actually, it all comes down to that. All, all fear is loss of self-boundaries. Uh, lo of, of loss of self-boundaries. Uh, fear of freedom. Just freedom. Absolute, utter freedom. So you hang on to self-referencing uh, as much as possible because you don't want to give that up. Uh, there's, there's no problem giving it up. It's, it's absolutely the most supreme freedom. But it, because you don't know it, uh, and are, and you're conditioned to believe that everything is around the self-image, the self-view, uh, then um, that's what the fight is. The, the more the mind can remain relaxed naturally, thought-free, and the stronger the parami, the easier it is to show somebody and introduce them to not non-self. Non-self-referencing mind. No more clinging to the image of self. 
It's a very important distinction. We're not trying to destroy the self. We're trying to actually cut through an imaginary image called self, which is hiding freedom, hiding natural, unbounded freedom of neither self nor non-self. Okay? This is why we need absorptions. So it says in the, in the sutras, give up enjoyment of towns, cities, and always turn to retreat in the forests or, in, or up in the mountains. Be single-minded at all times like a rhinoceros. You know what that feeling is like, rhinoceros? And it will not be long before the best profound absorption is attained. It's actually, actually true. For some, short. For some, others. Uh, but stability is different. Stability in absorption uh, uh, takes training. Occasional absorptions, far out, beautiful, beautiful absorptions, uh, you will all experience. But stability uh, uh, takes training and time. It takes time. Okay. So there's a need to isolate the mind from thoughts, to actually experience what it's like to be thought-free. There are three, uh, according to the Mahayana tradition, three really ways of doing it. Through being in awe and afraid of those things, I am in retreat, but what are body, speech, and mind doing right now? So we need to counteract uh, physical activity, mindless, distracted, busy, physical agitation and activity, um, and also unwholesome activity. So um, engaging in, in body activities that are unwholesome, which agitate uh, all the whole nervous system. That's number one. So we, that's why we go into retreat. It's wonderful. Retreat's like a lockup. You know, if you, go to Queen, if you go into downtown Queenstown, the habit patterns of a lifetime will kick in. And you may find, you may find, that you're now in front of the chip place, the chip and hamburger place, yes, and uh, eating not just one um, little bowl of chips, but you've now had three bowls of chips, you see? body, body, mind, speech, activity, which is not conducive to meditative absorption. You see? Or instead of having one scoop of ice cream, you have three scoops of ice cream and go about an hour, 40 minutes later, as you're having a complete uh, insulin disruption. <laughs> so it's sort of like this. This is, this is. We used to have this on Polish Ocean Lines. After supper, after a meal of pierogies, uh, a plate of pierogies with uh, a fat drippings, pig fat drippings, and we used to have a lemon on the side, squeezed like this, and then we go meditate, and we'd be like this. It's great practice. It's great practice. And every once in a while, Namjian Rinpoche had this way. He had perfected, you know, after months, you know, you do these things. He perfected how to take a lemon wedge and direct the squeezing of the lemon wedge so that the that the the, uh, the liquid would go like this, you know, it was fantastic. And he could do this. He would just be sitting, you know, like this. That person, ah, oh! at the table. You know what? You know, usually just three months, four months. You're on a trip, and you've got meditators around. What do you do? It's fun. And then he started. Okay, I'll use the lemon wedge in the corridors. So then you really had to be on your toes because, especially after supper. Uh, he'd be around the corner, a bulkhead or something like that, with his just hiding, and he'd come out. Go. 
like this. He he learned how to direct after months of training, well, years, years on Polish social lines, how to direct a lemon uh, slice and get it precisely. I remember being able to direct it right across the table, like that. It's fantastic. You have your hat like this, you're eating. <laughs> fantastic. So, uh, the, the more difficult, sometimes the, uh, the speedier the, uh, the uh, absorptions to cut through. And then you have to counteract wrong speech and activity, examining speech and contemplating. If, if while in retreat I chatter, slander, misuse speech, then there is no difference between myself and peacocks, parrots, songbirds, larks, and so forth. Internal, external chattering. And then you have to, and then retreat is for isolating contract and counteracting wrong mental activity. So uh, uh, which which is greed, hatred, delusion, pride, and jealousy coming up again and again and again. And he basically say, if you don't, then you're no different from baboons, monkeys, bears, mountain bears, and the like. Mountain bear, maybe? More alert. Thus, when body and mind are both isolated, distractions will no longer rise, and being now undistracted, one can enter into meditation. That this is how one trains the mind. So it's not uh, it's not commonly recognized um, because it's very it's very old, in the old way of teaching, but today one meditation is given out for everybody. But in in olden days, uh, the teacher picked out specific meditations based on the character of the student. So if a if a if a student uh, greed, hatred, delusion, basically, um, if a person has a predominance of greedy, lustful, desirous states, this is the predominant theme of a life, of a character, then there are certain meditations. So you give unpleasant meditations, decomposition of the body, not beautiful things, things that are actually showing that actually um, life isn't sweet, sweet, sweet. You're not always attractive, so you use something exactly opposite. Beings that are in constant hate states and irritation, frustration, Traditionally, you are taught loving kindness, loving kindness, loving kindness, loving kindness. Today, loving kindness is taught to everybody, which, which, as you saw when I read from Gampopa's text, desire, affection, sweetiness, all this kind of stuff, then becomes loving kindness. So you, you normally, traditionally, don't teach loving kindness uh, to desire, desirous, greedy, um, lustful types. It's the opposite. Uh, today, it's very different. And then uh, for beings that are dull, stupid, not stupid, but it could be just dull, sleepy, um, foggy-minded, then breathing meditation or, or a meditation on the, you now give intellectually rigorous meditations on the interconnectedness of all phenomena. Why? Because underneath that dull mind is usually the most brilliant mind. Very interesting. Dull mind usually hides a very, very sharp mind. So you transform it using what? Using uh, the opposite. So, that, so in the old tradition of teaching meditation, and actually in here too, 
you give the opposite to the person. So the classic meditation for a dull mind is breath, breath meditation. Why? It's a very direct, sharp object that anybody can do. Except for now, there's a tricky mind. I found many people now who can count breaths and talk and chatter and fantasize exactly the same time and have very good recollection of what the breath is. And they go, okay, I've counted 21, but I've been fantasizing the whole time, and I can tell you which number I'm on, because they've now perfected that. Go, oh, that defeated the entire purpose. <laughs> this is not the meditation. This is not the meditation. Okay? So yesterday I told you exactly how meditation proceeds. All, med all, all tranquility meditation proceeds exactly in the same way. Okay? And this is a counteraction to fantasy, daydreaming, wandering. When the mind is unhappy, it wanders. When the mind is unhappy, it has discursive dialogue. When the mind is unhappy, it goes right into fantasy. The method is to stay with a physical sensation. It's harder with a mental object. But it's to stay with a physical sensation over and over and over and over and over again until there's what's called in neurophysiology entrainment. Like a train? So let me give you an example. I, I described this yesterday, but there's some new people in the room, and I want to make sure you all, all understand this. The process of absorption, meditative absorption, or upachara samadhi, which is pre-full absorption, is you take train cars. This, they didn't explain it this, this way. They didn't have trains. But you take train cars, and there's a train over here, and there's a train. They're all positive. There's a train here. It's all full of grain. Train car full of grain, here, here, here. And what you do is you put this train here, this car here, and you take this car here and you link them together. Are you following? You take this one over here and you put it here and you link it together. When the cars are all linked together and you have a, what are the, an engine on the front and a caboose in the back, the train starts moving all together. This we call this neurophysiology entrainment. One thought after another, after another, after another, all linked together and starts to flow. You can feel that physiologically, it starts to flow. All in one movement, it's powerful. Okay? When that happens, the movement is all together, all the good qualities are flowing together on one object. You feel fantastic. What happens is, is that I keep describing because it's exactly how it works. There's a part of the brain in the insula. We actually know exactly where it is in the insula, in the midbrain. Okay? And it actually, the energy connected to the forebrain, which says, I, me, me, you, me, me, I, me, all day long. Ah, ah, me, 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 me. It just goes like this. And if you've ever had the experience of profound, calm absorption, it's exactly, for the first time, or second time, or third time, it's exactly like this. It's like this. And afterwards, second, two seconds, pardon my, I'm being filmed here. Holy shit, what was that? That's usual. It's like, because it just, it's like, it's like someone pulled the plug out of all this energy here to be uh, located in me, to pure sensation of pure experience. So when people go skiing, mountain climbing, jumping out of an airplane, bungee jumping, um, shot over a river experience, uh, 
um, paragliding, and, and uh, golf, extreme, extreme golf, extreme golf. Uh, any kind of physical sensation over and over and over again, where there's a lot of concentration, will snap, uh, snap that that circuit, and person goes, "Wow, yeah," and it feels so good. Yeah, it feels so good because you're actually physically in contact, not in the head. If you can train this way, and it's not like "wow," but okay. Over and over, over and over, over and over and over. You get used to it. Just get used to it. Don't go like this. <laughs> or run to the teacher. Or run to your fellow student. You know what I had? I had this amazing experience. You got it. No, just actually train, train. Get used to it. Like just like, just like every, like going for a walk. Just train, 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 train. You get used to it, and it becomes very natural, very clear. All the facts. So yesterday, last night, I told you to look for the factors. Those factors are there. They happen all day long. They're just not... So, Wataka is on your list. Wataka, the first one. Wataka is over here, and it's a full car of beautiful rubies. Imagine, Burma, full train load, except it's going to the military. Uh, but, excuse me, the, the, tr the uh, car over here is full of rubies. And this one is full of jade. It's going to the military. Uh, this one is going, it's going to China. And... This one is full of most beautiful wheat. Yeah? And this one here, and that's Wataka, Wichara, Piti, Sukha, Ekagata. You following? They're there all day long. They rise, they pass away. They rise, they pass away. They rise, they pass They're all wholesome. You take this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. You put them all together, and all of a sudden you have Upachara Samadhi. doesn't matter if there's noise, doesn't matter, you just go, who cares? And the train's running. If they're all put together and the train's really running like a bullet train, effortlessly, like riding up on the tracks, you know, in Japan, those levitating trains, fantastic, eh? Fantastic. Everything's smooth, you feel like you're going 100, you are, you're going 200 and some odd kilometers an hour, right? It's all smooth, not a bump, and you're Whoa, what's this? That's that now you're entering up on a samadhi. There's not even a thought. Just well, there can be this minor, minor thoughts occasionally. Yeah? But the energies are absolutely focused on one object. Alright. So that, that gives you a feeling of how's it. All those factors are wholesome factors that happen either every single mind moment, or they happen occasionally when there's a good state. It's just a matter of harnessing them. Therefore, we have to isolate the disturbances for long enough to get them to go and get used to this. Do, do you follow? It's really easy. And people don't understand why, they, why we go into retreat. It's just simply to get used to, used to, this, 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 how it's done. And then when you come out of retreat and you've trained, you've trained, you've trained, maybe three, four, five retreats, doesn't matter, who knows. Then you can just simply be here and go, there they are. You just gather them. It doesn't matter if there's noise, it doesn't matter if someone's burping, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Just gather. Just gather. It becomes very natural. 
so it goes into some detail about which meditations for which types of, uh, of, of people. And we're going to skip over that because it's too long, and that's a different kind of uh, class or classes. Uh, Abhidhamma, when we teach Abhidhamma mostly. This gets very detailed for quite a while. There's like a mini, there's a section here, it's like a mini uh, Vasudhimaga, condensed, so it's really concentrated, condensed, but the different kinds of meditations for different beings, but you don't need that um, um, for today. Then it says at the end here, if all the defilements are equally present, that means you've got everything going. You got pride, you got jealousy, you've got stupidity, yeah, all the stuff is going, you got it all going. Then, then it says, uh, or if there's too much thought, one trains in breathing meditations, remedy. All kinds of breathing meditation for every type of person. Traditionally, that wasn't the case. Unless you were following a tantric path, then you get breathing meditation. It doesn't matter. Okay? But breathing meditation, anybody can do breathing meditation. It's really good. Okay. And as it says in the Abhidhamma Kosa, the Mahayana Abhidhamma, there are held to be six stages of uh, breath meditation, counting, following, resting, thinking, transformation, and utter purity. These are also found in the Vimuti Magga, the Sudhi Magga. And then he has a mysterious, for some, a mysterious paragraph that says at the end of all this, it says, there are also practices in which the defilements are neither eliminated, used, nor transformed. Just a little paragraph put in here in the middle of a Mahayana text. There are also practices in which defilements are neither eliminated, used, nor transmuted. Such is the way of the Mantrayana, or Tantrayana, of the tradition instructions of Marpa, and his spiritual sons, of which he was a spiritual son, which should be learnt directly from a qualified teacher or guru. They are to be understood through uniting with the innate essence. These are called the six practices or six dharmas of Naropa. So he's just pointing out in this uh, uh, Mahayana text, uh, in one paragraph, that there is uh, uh, another path. When there's mental stability and, and good parami, there's another path uh, called um, uh, Mantrayana or um, Tantra or Vajrayana, which, which is the um, uh, uniting um, um, object with the nature of emptiness. Okay. So did you see now the difference? Let me, let me tell you what the difference is. All tranquility meditations are to help you discover tranquility. But in Vajrayana, we go directly to unite the tranquil mind, or even the busy mind, with what? The nature of emptiness directly. The order, the normal order, is Samatha, then Vipassana. In Tantra, we usually bring Samatha, Vipassana, uh, insight knowledge, together into one practice. So it's seamless. Everybody following? Step, step by step. So in other words, we get 
concentration, we get absorptions, we line them all up, we get very good at it, then we give practices, we give themes to develop insight knowledge which liberates. In Tantrayana, the uh, meditation of tranquility from one to nine is unified directly, immediately, with the contemplation of insight knowledge on emptiness. There's no separation. No, no separation. It's done right from the very beginning. So these are these is called the unity of, um, if you want, practice, practice, and emptiness at once. So, for instance, in the in the initiation or the the practice, the sadhana, which means called me in Tibetan, uh, uh, usually translated at Sanskrit, but means of accomplishment. The meat now the practice of means of accomplishment is not totally on about being in a beautiful absorbed state. It's always unifying right through the text. The practice of the inseparable unity of absorption or mild absorption and the appearance emptiness or the appearance sound emptiness all the way through. So this is a training, training. So people go. Why is it so complicated? Because what we're doing is this is a complicated universe of appearances, sounds, and thinking, right? So what we're doing is every single thing that comes along, body appearance, sound, communication, thoughts, mind, no thoughts, doesn't matter. It's all taught as a unity of the nature of emptiness, right from the very beginning. This is why it's important that the Lama, when they're giving initiation, usually in the fourth initiation, but all, can be all the way through or even in a class. In the Vajrayana tradition, we point out the unity of appearance emptiness, the unity of sound emptiness, the unity of mind, of, aware, of awareness emptiness, and the unity of all cognition emptiness at any given time, so that when we practice these tantric practices, there is a unity of emptiness and practice all the way through. Otherwise, it is not a correct practice. Okay? And that needs to be pointed out by the teacher directly. Otherwise, it's missed. It's just missed. Even if you read in a book, it's often missed. It just needs to be pointed out again. Instructions given again and again and again. Okay? Is there a hand up? Yes? Is that, that cleared up there, uh... Mr. Edlins? Yes. Um, well, I'm going to quite interesting. Vajrayana is a very tantric space. Samadhi. Then the insight, or then the insight will take Samadhi as the distinction. In tantric, you go through tantric states, one to nine, and then it's immediately. Usually, usually, yes. If it's if it's a um, instructions and retreat development for calm abiding, many tantric teachers, many lamas, will give these classic uh, meditations of loving kindness, of breath meditation, so on, to bring about a much greater stability of samadhi, of 
continuous states of, of no awake, no thought, but very awake. Okay. When we go to do tantric practices, which unify uh, unco uncovering the three Buddha bodies, which are all these sa sadhanas, hmm? sadhana practices, empowerment through uh, through empowerment. Then, right from the beginning, the training is the unity of absorption emptiness, thought emptiness, feeling emptiness, perception emptiness, form emptiness, over and over and over and over, and imbued with compassion. This is the difference. Always. So those bringing all that together is the nature of all Vajrayana tantric practices. But that doesn't mean that one doesn't take time out under instructions. Take time out to just practice pure tranquility meditation and get very good at it because it really helps in all the tantric practices. And that's all I've done too. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, uh, for instance, I may be doing, uh, oh, one month of Medicine Buddha or one month of Guru Yoga or something, and then I will go into retreat and do nothing but exercises of breath meditation, counting, uh, following the breath, settling the breath, all these kinds of things, just like playing uh, musical scales, to have really excellent, tranquil abiding, which helps these tantric meditations immensely. If you follow breath meditation as it's taught in the Muti Maga and the Vasudhi Maga, very old tradition, as the Buddha taught it, you will experience the channels, the winds, and the drums. Just like in the ta inner yogas of tantric meditation. They come up. It's just natural. It's all natural. Therefore, if you're given both instructions, both traditions, then you can actually uh, go like this. That means the breath meditation that doesn't, not describe, doesn't describe channels and winds and things like that actually come together and you see the identical nature of both. Because then when we practice the inner yogas of Tantra, we're now working with breath, unity of breath-mind, prana-mind. And the channels. We're working with the channels directly as a manifestation of the Buddha bodies. So this uh, requires uh, further teachings and um, more retreats uh, and study uh, under a, uh, a teacher, okay? It's introduction. Most of this you have on your handouts, but it's going to be yeah, like, it's going just going to be like, what is this? Like right now, yes. No, it's good. If you have the ability to have distinctions, it's excellent. Because Westerners actually, it's really good to have that. But uh, then we have to practice. We, we learn, we practice, we learn, and eventually it becomes very obvious. It just takes, this is, this is, you're asking questions that are very difficult not to answer, very difficult to understand without sufficient retreat work. Yes. It, it, it really comes, like when you, you show me, you know, golf, you know, this is what a real good force, you know, swing is like. It, it only really happens to understand when it's in the body and it actually, you feel it. You see? Then you go, yeah, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> why didn't I get that before? Uh, it, it, really, it really becomes so obvious. If the instructions and the practice and the study is there, you just go, 
you have to have the experiences. And they have to be enough experiences where you go, okay, I got this. I just got this. And then you can just, it's just right there. It's just right there. Yeah. But, as I've been saying about 40 or 50 times over the last couple of weeks, as the old uh, texts of Mahamudra and Zogchen say, the greater the strength of parami, which includes meditative absorption, the faster the student will hear and be able to enter into the Mahamudra, into Tantrayana. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is it. So why all the teaching? To ripen the parami. Somebody says, why, why does Lama Mark do so much teaching? Just like Navdurapashay. Because I'm ripening the parami with you. And it's right in this beautiful text of Zogchen, right? Right in there I read to you, that when the teacher and the students are together in, t- in teaching, we're actually able to perfect the parami together. It's right in here. Right? Preliminary and inner instructions of Zogchen by a third Zogchen Rinpoche. Uh, if you just have students in a class, hour after hour, five, six, seven, eight hours a day with the teacher, teaching, teaching Dharma. You go, oh, God, I'm sore. Oh, God, I'm oh, God, I'm irritated. You're actually perfecting the parami. Why? All the paramis are present because the teacher's residing in the paramis. The students have to come up to the, to the, the students have to come up to the teacher's level. Week after week after week of teachings. And then the student says, after three hours of classes, you know, straight, three hours straight, they're saying like this. I've said this is fantastic. I love this one. You can go now. Right? Could you teach some more? Three hours, right? Three hours straight. You know, three hours straight. Could you? I don't mind. Could four hours, five, doesn't matter. Students now in a beautiful place where they like to listen. Their mind is open. Their body feels relaxed. The irritation's gone. They're with the teacher. They're with the teaching. And they go, It's beautiful, beautiful. And see, uh, 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 um, as some of you know, because you've experienced it, it's very common among Tibetan lamas, Tibet, traditional Tibetan lamas, to teach for three, four, five hours straight. Is that right? Straight. Straight. I like this. There are two kinds, exceptional and common, the exceptional meditations, immeasurable and inconceivable, and very, just like that, for, for two, three, four hours. It takes training. People go, oh, I can't do that. No, it just takes training. About a month, two months in, you can actually, most of you will be able to handle a three-hour class. Why? It's training. And then you can actually retain it. You get interesting. Oh, wow, that was, I like that. And take notes. So, so this is how it happens. Just need to keep the student in the space of the teacher long enough. And they and then you go practice, so you can actually, you practice meditation called Guru Yoga, so in Tantriana, so you can be with the teacher and you get it. So, I love this question. And I almost do this on purpose. So when are you going to teach the meditation? <laughs> it is the meditation. Get it. It's fast. It's fast that way. This is the meditation. Okay, let's go step by step. There are different aspects of meditation itself. There are three. Meditation which procures tangible well-being. Meditation which gives rise to good qualities. And meditation which acts for the benefit of others. Beautiful to know that. 
Sometimes our primary meditation is to feel good throughout our body, feel good throughout our speech, feel good throughout our mind, and get used to that. Beautiful. Sure. The feeling in our body, we feel good. You know what that feeling's like, eh, all of you? Good massage? You go, oh, I feel so good. My toes feel good. My fingers feel good. Oh, I feel so good. You can do that meditation like that. Skiing. Right? Oh, man, I feel good. I feel great. Okay, just do it like this. And the whole body is washed with good, good chemistry. So the speech is washed with good chemistry. That is, the mind shuts up uh, into a beautiful space. And the mind just feels bright. See? Then we have uh, the um, good qualities, which is the, the meditation now one discovers, because we meditate, we have good mind, we have good speech, we have good body. We start to see something else. This is what's meant the second category, good qualities. Watch. After an hour of meditation or, or, or a day of meditation, you go like this. Instead of going like this, which you see many people do, especially as you get older, it's hard. So I see older people do this all the time. What'd you do? You know? Or like this. My, I, I bless my mother's heart. I used to watch her do this. Instead of putting glass down. So after a day of meditation, a week of meditation, you notice the qualities. lovely. It's not because it's soft and quiet. It's lovely. The quality of the physical presence is lovely. Or you talk to someone, they go, that was really nice. How did you talk to me like that? That was really lovely. You talked to me like you were actually with me. You see? And then the mind. You do something like this. read that without instruction. That was beautiful. I actually not only enjoyed the reading, I got it. You, you know, this is, this is what's meant by the qualities. Then you go out and you do something like paint and you go, that painting is so beautiful. Or you have a coffee with someone in your cup of tea and you go, this is glorious. This is radiant. So this is the qualities. This is the quality that you get out of meditative absorption, or even, even upachara samadhi. You, you, you feel radiant. You feel speech is radiant. Mind is radiant. Things look absolutely lovely. Smells like you've never smelled before. Everything becomes uh, rich. Do you follow? That's the qualities. And the last one, number three. vanished off the page. Number three is compassion. Right? I don't know where it is now. But compassion. That's number three. So first of all, you have good states, good good in meditation. Then in daily life, you start to see the effect of that in the qualities of body, speech, and mind. And third, now you're seeing it in your effect on other beings. It's all about compassion. You just I'm going to take care of people. What can I do for people? 
You see? And the quality comes out in the quality of speech and all. What can I do for people? So this is how you, and one often needs to learn this because I've seen people have fantastic meditative absorption abilities and they're terrible at compassion. It's all about them. So you really need, one needs instruction in compassion, usually. If it's genuine meditative absorption, uh, by the stage of the third or the fourth jhana, you should be in love with the whole universe. That, that's, that, that's, that's for sure. You, you, you should just feel uh, a total completeness and happiness with everything in the universe, wh whether it's a, um, a leaf blower or a lawnmower right behind your back or a cicada, cicada that is you know, on your forehead and going down your face and going into your clothes and you're going, that's the most beautiful creature, it's the most beautiful feeling. I just love it, you know. And the level of the sound of the cicadas is 120 decibels. You go, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. You know, and you've got a bowl of rice and a little bit of uh, soy sauce, and that's your second, third time in a day having that. And you go, that's just so delicious. That's just so delicious. I don't need anything more. Matter of fact, I don't even need anything to eat at all. That's a good sign. That's, that's a beautiful state of bliss. You just, I actually don't feel I ever need to eat ever again. I just need to be in a bliss. Eat bliss. Eat, eat, eat uh, the experience of, of blissful life. See? Anyway, that's, this is deep. That's deep. So then you take that out. That means, oh, I'll make a beautiful dish of food for people. Rice and soy. Just joking. I have to watch this thing while being taped. Which chapter? Oh, I've just jumped to wisdom. I don't know, right near the end. No wonder. Okay, some of the things that come out of these uh, practices of absorption. Free of all thought means that it remains fully concentrated without any interference to the discursive intellect producing ideas of existence and non-existence. That's the most important part. I exist, I don't exist. I exist, I don't exist, and I don't care. It's three. All day long. So this is a free... And, and actually, I really love this expression, especially from the Vajrayana tradition. Uh, look for thought-free wakefulness. Thought-free wakefulness, not just thought-free. Thought-free, by the way, in the tradition of uh, samatha meditation, can be the dullest state in the world. It's called frozen ice. This is called stupid meditation among Tibetan yogis, which I don't know the Tibetan. I, I, I have to look it up. Daryl, do you, I don't know if you know that. Uh, stupid meditation, is, it's a technical term in Tibetan. But uh, yogis talk about this thought-free state that's basically dull. This is not proper meditation. So uh, if you stop the intellect, uh, good, but the intellect's actually a pretty good thing to have. And then number two, gives rise to excellent mastery of mind and body means the destruction of every bad condition that the body or the mind might adopt. So unwholesome goes down. Uh, wholesome comes up. 
Number three, supremely peaceful in the very best way means it enters such a condition naturally. This is the hallmark, natural. It should feel absolutely, eventually natural. Why? So I want to come back to this. Why? All the factors are there anyways. You, you follow? They're all there. Find them. Once you find them, you can bring them together faster and faster. Instead of going, I must do a meditation to get into a peaceful state. No. You already have all the peaceful qualities present right now if you're in a wholesome state. And most of you are in a wholesome state right now. They're there. They're just not harnessed. They're just not entrained. Number four, with er without arrogance refers to an absence of defilement of views. That means this is a special Buddhist teaching. Very esoteric, very special. And only I have it. <laughs> so this is this kind of uh, arrogance around these teachings. And number five, without involvement, with experiencing the taste of meditation refers to an absence of the desired defilement. Uh, if you really practice really, very well, uh, it, it takes out the massive uh, passion, desire for having meditative experience, some kind of meditative experience. Number, uh, number six, free from the notion of an object of meditation means free from experiencing sense objects. That means it takes out eventually the idea that there has to be a special object of meditation. You follow? Eventually, it's not the object. It's the mind. But initially, it's my special object, my special crystal ball. You know, if I have my special rosary, that's what does it. I've known people like that. My special rosary, it brings me to meditative absorption. If I have my special picture, and so on. And eventually you realize, it's, it's, that's not what it is. These are qualities already naturally present in the mind. They need to be found. Beautiful text. Okay. There are exceptional meditations. What are exceptional meditations? Meditation on boundless loving compassion, uh, boundless loving kindness. Exceptional, boundless universal compassion. Inconceivable. And it says that the Shravakas and the Pracheka Buddhas don't even know the names and they don't have a clue what these are. These are so beyond, beyond, beyond um, of... of um, even beyond loving-kindness. Just inconceivable range of compassion and loving-kindness for all, uh, all sentient creatures, not just human beings, all sentient creatures, all sentient creatures, by realizing what? They all suffer, they all wander. Therefore, we take care of them. And then there's, there's a common uh, meditations. These are really to defeat the illusion of, of that there is a real self and so on, um, and calm meditations. And then uh, near the end of the, the section, meditation that works for the welfare of others. Whichever concentration meditation is resorted to, there can be countless physical emanations. These meditations operate for the benefit of beings in different ways. So, so that means that all these meditations are now being used to support the liberation and the freedom 
of, of sentient beings. And if one really practices, and what they're referring to is practicing to a point where you can actually ascend out multiple bodies of yourself. This is very high meditation. You actually now practice by emanating out different bodies, uh, different manifestations. Some, some um, uh, really uh, experienced teachers uh, have reported, and their students have reported, that while they were in the cave, uh, 30 kilometers or 100 kilometers away, they were sitting there uh, attending a teaching or giving the class. And they went to them and said, you know, we were there, we saw you there. Or uh, the, the, the teachers up in, um, um, up in their cave somewhere or their retreat cabin, and uh, many hundred kilometers away, uh, people reported, we actually saw you present giving the class or we, we, you, were, you were there giving instructions or something like that or karma. And then someone else says, at the same time, you were over in Germany teaching and so on and so forth. These are, these are called uh, meditation, emana emanation bodies, just naturally emanating countless bodies for uh, compassion for different beings. And then it explains, uh, uh, then there are also the very well-known samatha and vipassana. What are they? Samatha is stable peace, is mind, resting in within mind, due to the most excellent profound absorption. Vipassana, profound insight, follows up from this. It is an excellent discerning, discerning, distinguishing, discerning, appreciation of phenomena which understands what is and what is not to be done. And then he quotes from a Mahayana Sutra. The Mahayana Sutra, Lankara says, quote, through abiding in the most excellent mind, sorry, uh, through abiding in the most excellent, mind is made to rest within mind, not outside of mind. It's the mind. You're, you're experiencing mind and its good qualities. Did you follow? Very important. I can, I, I hopefully I'm trying to save you years of practice, years. All those factors are already in the mind. When it's found, there's nothing more. It's not on the outside. It's not on the inside. It mind discovers the qualities of absorption naturally in the mind and simply puts them together. And once one understands that, you can put them together without any object whatsoever. But first you have to find them. And get so confident, you can put them together. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five. And eventually without any uh, effort. These are known respectively as samatha and vipassana. Now, you're probably going to wonder, how can we increase this meditation, this absorption? Now that we have excellent meditative absorption, how can we increase it? And as every chapter says, the same thing. It is increased by the three powers mentioned above. Through experiencing and training in primordial wisdom, by deep understanding, and through dedication. That means every time one practices tranquility meditation, we seal it for the benefit of all sentient beings. We seal it. And what else do we seal it with? We seal it with emptiness. What else do we seal it with? Right? Beautiful. We seal it with a good intellectual discerning understanding of what it is. So those three. Those three make a seal to actually take it to another level. Seal it with emptiness, seal it with understanding, 
and seal it with the dedication of compassion for every single sentient being. Then we magnify it. How can it be made pure? This is accomplished through the two supports, through emptiness, through voidness, ashunyata, and compassion. So whenever we support it with the two, this is Tantriana and Mahayana, Mahayana. We support it with understanding deeper and deeper uh, Ashunita, and we support it with uh, universal compassion. We actually make it pure, clear, pure. So I think I've told you maybe a hundred times, maybe not. Um, there's a wonderful uh, story in uh, Shabkar. Shabkar was a great yogi uh, 200 years ago, a very enlightened yogi. 200 years ago, um, who uh, wrote his autobiography. He has an outer biography and a secret autobiography. Secret autobiography is never published. But in the outer biography, which is a beautiful translation by Matthew Ricard, uh, he tells a story of um, about, about halfway through the book, three quarters of the way through the book, big thick book like this, his autobiography. And uh, one of his heart, heart disciples, one of his heart sons, goes into retreat for the entire winter. And he's superb meditator. He's meditating on the nature of shunyata, 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 Mahamudra, Zogchen, Mahamudra. And at the end of the winter, he can get through to the cave where his teacher's in. He comes through and he sits with his teacher and his teacher says, how'd it go? And his student says, I'll sing a song of my realization, which is, which is tradition. Sing a song. So he spontaneously sings a song of his realization. And Shabkar says, that is as good as your father, which means as good as your teacher. You've got fantastic. Your realization, is, this is exactly what it says in the text, your realization is as good as your father's. Avshunyata. Absorption of shunyata. But your compassion stinks. It's right, right there. Beautiful. He said it stinks. And because of that, the, rot, the dharma is rotten. You'll make the dharma rotten. So he says to his, I think it was Rangdal, he says to the student, go away for an entire year and practice compassion night and day until it's unbroken. And you realize a heart for all sentient beings and is unified with emptiness. This is, this is what he's talking about. Otherwise the Dharma is not Dharma. Simply not Dharma. So this just shows you, fantastic student, fantastic capacity to meditate, but not dharma. He's missing something, which means the the universal, the unity of emptiness and compassion must come together, so they're absolutely inseparable. Okay, so what's the consequence of doing this? You want to know what the result is, right? You know, in, in modern uh, high school and, and now in, in college curriculum, university curriculum, you must give out a piece of paper because I had to make my instructors in the Arctic do this. Okay, they couldn't stand this. You have to give a, a piece of paper at the beginning of class, yes? At the beginning of term. This is, what the reason, this is what you will get. So it says in curriculum, the student will get the following benefits and results from this course. One, two, three, four, five, six. So you can see they do the same thing. Here's the result. Quote, through completely perfecting the transcendent virtue of meditation, Bodhisattvas truly became perfect Buddhas, are truly becoming perfect Buddhas, and will truly become perfect Buddhas with the highest, utterly pure, and perfect enlightenment. How's that for the curriculum? 
Okay. And it comes at the end. So it tells you this is exactly what you will do if you perfect this. Uh, you will come to this. And it's coming from someone who is Kempopa, who by tradition uh, of all the students said this was a supremely awakened being. And his teacher sent him away. Mark uh, Milarepa said to Gampopa, uh, you are very advanced at this point, but go away to the mountains. Go to your cave. I'll tell you which caves. He told him which caves to go to. And don't come out until the full attainment has happened. And that's what he did. So he was a, a, a great master of masters. Marvelous. Any questions? You have the result. You have the method. You just don't, some of you just don't have quite the details because I don't always, I'm leaving it up to other people now to tell you how to sit. Just no longer spending uh, one hour showing you how to sit, one hour how to do this and this. Uh, there are people here uh, who have studied with me or studied with other teachers who are quite capable of doing these things. This is very good. I want to impart, you, impart to you what the essence is, what you need to look for, and what the actual quality of this is. Uh, when you come on to retreat with me, a certain retreat, uh, then we go into very, very detailed specifics of, of technique plus, plus view. But remember that in every class I'm, I'm uh, giving, the view of liberation, the view of meditation, the view of the Dharma, the meditation, which I've given out, I think now, have you counted? I don't know. Something like probably 30 or 40 meditations since I've been here, major meditations that you can do. And um, the conduct of how you conduct the life to bring all of it together. So we have view, meditation, conduct, and we bring it together, we bring it together. Sometimes we emphasize conduct, sometimes we emphasize meditation, and sometimes we emphasize view. All three must come together over and over and over again. And then you get a very rich uh, awake, awake mind. Okay. It's very straightforward, isn't it? Very straightforward. Very clear. That's why the Dhar I love Dharma. Dharma is just very clear. Very clear. Beautiful. Very, very beautiful. The, the details may be many, but the essence is absolutely clear. So pristine and clear. Not, not intellectually complicated. It's actually very pristinely clear. And will only become clear through practice. Through practice. Practice and guidance. Practice and guidance. It's like sometimes David is showing me the golf shot. No, your wrist is like this. Your grip is like this. Okay. Your backswing is going here. Bring it this way. Oh, gosh, that was good. If I try to do that myself, I can't see my own body. Do you see? So we go to the teacher. The teacher says, what about that? What about that? Sometimes you don't even get to sit down. Go back. You can tell by the walking. You can talk, tell by the voice. You can tell by the hand gesture. You can tell the way the doors open. Out. Go back. Yeah, really. You don't. You just listen. So as I said, when they put down the glasses... That tells everything. So as Namja Rinpoche often said, if you can't make a cup of tea, you can't become enlightened. Over and over again. If you can't make a cup of tea, you can't become enlightened. Right? That's because the conduct, the, the 
the display of meditation understanding isn't there. So the meditation must be translated into every action of loving. Otherwise, it's not really the, the path. And Namjian Rinpoche was absolutely fierce on this point. Absolutely fierce. Determined to, to cut out super meditators for beings alive and awake and compassionate who could manifest meditation. Thank you. Idante when you come on, that's a walkie wango to Idante when you come on, that's a walkie wango to Idante when you come on, that's a walkie wango to By this powerful activity, this punyakama, may it lead to the cessation of the floods, the cancerous states of mind for all sentient beings. May all beings be well and happy, may all beings in a continuum of natural freedom, which is the unity of compassion and wisdom, as a great and glorious gift for all sentient life. Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam. I'd like to add, too, sometimes I add, it's a bit esoteric, but deeply meaningful. Not only is the Dharma about all life, the Dharma is, is about the compassion for all phenomena. If you're nice and you're compassionate to life, and you're not compassionate and kind to things, there is a big problem. As Jamon Control said in, from the 19th century in one of his beautiful deep teachings, he said, actually, to have loving kindness for all the phenomena is a higher attainment than the, than the love and support for just beings. All phenomena without exception. Glasses, Coverings of microphones, Buddha rupas, floors, houses, rosaries, not this, but, but actually care for every single being and object and thing, without exception, because this has, even if you didn't know it, even if you think this is a thing, it also has probably something around a billion microscopic creatures on it. And they too need care, as does their world and their home that they reside in. This is home for millions and millions of microscopic creatures. They have a right to have their home taken care of. Just like the universe is a home to millions, trillions, uncountable creatures. They need, they need support. So the support needs taken care of. There is really almost no limit to the appearance of, of sentient life in everything, including two miles under the earth. There is more life under the earth than above the earth. That is a fact. <clears throat> Just a calculation. There's more, way more life, sentient life, below the crust of the earth than there is above the crust. It's in every fissure in every little rock crack, at least to two miles down. That's how far it's been found. Amazing, isn't it? If you do the mathematical calculation per cubic meter, and you will find that every little space on this planet is inhabited by life. 
Therefore, their their palace, their home, right, is our home. And all forms is the container, is, is part of life. So it's not separate from life. Right? It should be treated with, with great respect. It's called the Right-o. And away we go. <laughs>